Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. We are finally done with our off-season preview series. We have had so many guests over the last several months, and now y'all are stuck with just me and Matt. Yeah, just us, just Rice football. I'm yeah, excited. Finally, man. I don't have to stop. I I have, I can finally stop pretending like I um particularly care about who uh, Old Dominion's third string left tackle is. I don't think we got to Old Dominion. We did not. But we did not. <laughs> well, we don't play them this year. They didn't play I didn't want last year. So in case different. any of our guests actually listens to the show when they're not on it, I didn't want to like casually insult their school. But this is that, that's a fair fair point i'm going through i actually i gotta confess on my my two deep that i put together for old dominion I, it's a two deep it's not a three deep so yeah, i don't yeah. know who old dominion's third string left slacking uh you know next year <laughs> <laughs> next, next year when get, we really break into the, the the long snapper depth charts you know i we we need to get there you know people keep asking me about what what's going to be the next iteration of the preview this i added a fifth page for all you you crazies on a and and just people who love conference USA football this year, a fifth page for every team with with graphs and, and numbers and stuff. Because you know this is this is a rice podcast, so we gotta we gotta bring it back to math at some point, right? Yeah, so no, that's ideal. But yeah, good 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 little segue there. Uh, we'll transition and I'll plug this before we we get rolling. So if you haven't yet picked up a copy of the preview, uh, one you should. I've, I've told you a couple times because I really do think. Uh, it's well worth the buck, and you get what 150 page, 150 pages on Rice and Conference USA, and uh, just for the podcast listeners, we did this last year, two years ago. I don't know; it's all running together. I think it was last year. Uh, but if you go ahead and leave us a five star review on the podcast, I'm going to pick somebody who does that this week and hand out a free copy of the preview. So, if you're thinking about it, what you do, you should do right now is stop pause the podcast that's the best part about podcasts is they're not live you can just stop it right now you can go leave a five-star <laughs> review and then uh, you know shoot me a dm or an email podcast at the roost.com and you know let me know that you put it in and then i will grab somebody next week and we will pick someone to give a free preview to if you want if nobody does it i guess nobody gets a free preview but you know everyone likes free stuff right i yeah. like free stuff there you go um, so I have no pithy comment because mine was going to be everyone likes free stuff. So you you took it right out from under me. <laughs> We've been doing this long enough, Carter, that we can. Yeah, no, we're just stealing each other's segues. So on, on the free stuff train, this is this is not free, but it also uh, one more plug worth your money. And the Patreon is is cooking. We got a lot of stuff up with I, I can't keep up with everything that's going on with fall camp and everything. So I think we're up to three or four different practice pieces uh, this week. The most recent one that went up on Wednesday, I still don't know what day it was, was kind of an in-depth breakdown between the starting quarterback battle between Wiley Green and Luke McCaffrey. I think it's like 1,200, 1,400 words, something like that. And I went to talk to coaches, talk to players, and kind of got the, you know, blow by blow, who's doing what better and, and where are we and are we going to have an answer before the Arkansas game? And uh, I hope so. But <laughs> you can get the all, all the in-depth. The latest that we have is right there and available on Patreon. And if you're on the fence, that's where you're going to get stuff that nobody else is getting and is behind the, is behind the scenes as you can get on Rice Football. 
the, for example, uh, transitioning into uh, to what we're going to talk about today, the Debray, Debrayland Carroll news uh, that was broken by me on Saturday, whatever day it was, the day of the first scrimmage. So I put that up and I gave that gave that out to our patrons uh, several hours before it went out to the public. So you get a sneak peek because I like you guys. I like podcast listeners that are not patrons, but if you're patrons, you're going to get a little something, something. Yeah, you'll get sneak peeks, sneak peeks, sneak peeks of deeply depressing news. <laughs> it's not all deeply depressing, but <laughs> I, I put this in context because at this point last year, Rice didn't have a secondary, a secondary or a wide receiver core. Wide receiver. Yeah. And so losing just one star player feels feels better somehow. It's better than losing most of them. That's true. Right. Yeah. So I mentioned to Braylon and I guess that gets us to today kind of the lay of the land. How are we going to split this out and chunk it out? And I guess our next couple weeks before we get to a football game. Yeah. um, So we actually managed to time this quite well because we took ourselves uh, pretty much as close to the season as we could without doing this. Um, So we are going to preview the defense this week. And then, I guess, offense and special teams next week. Um, And then it'll be Arkansas game week. So uh, we will get right into it. We will do um, these are always I think if I go into our stats on our hosting service, these are always some of the more popular episodes where we uh, preview the actual units for the year. Um, So to Braylon Carroll, I guess it's a good segue into (laughs) starting. We'll just work kind of from the front to the back on defense. So um, the defensive line. Um, there's yeah. no question that losing to Braylon is a huge blow here. He is, um, definitely the most disruptive player on that defensive line. Um, a guy who, you know, I believe you've quoted coaches as saying, like, if he were an inch taller, he would be playing at a power five school somewhere. Um, yeah, I think, I think the line that I got from an assistant when he signed was if he were two inches taller, he would be playing at Baylor. If he were three inches taller, he'd be playing at Texas. Which yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm glad he's short. Well, and, and he he's, went to he's not he went short. to Duncanville, which if you look at the list of players Duncanville has put in like just the SEC lately, um, it's absolutely terrible. Like Alabama pulled a linebacker from there in this class. His name is Kendrick Blackshire. Um, just Google that name. Kendrick K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K Blackshire. And uh, pause the podcast for a bit while you do that. Um, This kid is uh, supposedly, what, 19, 18? Um, He's like, sorry, he lost weight in the roster update. So he's only like 235 pounds instead of 240. Um, But he looks like some kind of Greek statue. I'm looking at him now. I I could see it in front of like the Parthenon. Terrifying. Terrifying, right? Um, so that's the kind of player uh, Duncanville and, puts and out. And for the record, the 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 Duncanville defense that DeBraylin Carroll was on went to the state title game. Actually, won the state semifinal game. DeBraylin Carroll did did with a sack on on the final play of the semifinal game because you know game record winning games by himself. That's a plus. But he was the defensive MVP of that defense, and that defense was one of the best in you know, Texas high school football history and you like corners and, and safeties and other other people from his same unit 
were getting, uh, you know, power five offers. And for some reason, he ended up at Rice, which I'm thankful for and which makes it particularly just a, a bummer, to use a technical term, that we're not going to get to see him this year. So, yes, and I guess I don't actually I, – I haven't – let me back up a little bit. So he had a, a lower leg injury and he is going to be out for the season is the current expectation. So I don't think we're going to see him this year. Uh, all indications I have is that he should be back and available for the 2022 season. But that is a long way from September of 2021, unfortunately. So no to Braylon Carroll. He's out. That's the bad news. Uh, the good news, and I'll just kind of I'll kind of set the table for us here with kind of who is at the moment expected to be the starters, and then we'll kind of get into some depth pieces and some interesting guys. And so from the, the rest of the starters on the defensive line, Trey Schumann back at defensive end, uh, healthy. This, this is a guy who we talk about injuries. He's had injury troubles the last three years, really, just staying on the field. But when he's on the field, Man, he can be a difference maker. Uh, he's going to line up next to Ikenna and Echikuwu, who is filling DeBraylin's spot. And then right next to him, Elijah Garcia at the nose, who we talk about a guy who can be a difference maker in the middle. Elijah Garcia is probably the unsung hero of this defensive line. And then you, you split out one more and you get to the, I guess they call it the, the rush, rush in position. Uh, but that's going to be Kenneth or GKK. Uh, coming off the edge. So that's kind of how the starters line up. And, you know, we bemoaned DeBraylin not being there, but I I kind of still feel pretty good about that tandem. Or I guess quartet. It's a quartet, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like Elijah, for instance, uh, you know, we've talked about a little bit as kind of an unsung hero on this defense. Um, I was actually reading and um, it was the underdog dynasty preview of the Rice defense. And, I mean, shout out to those guys. We like him a lot. But, you know, whenever I read Rice previews or, or news from a place that's not the roost, I'm always, you know, I'm kind of looking for things that are like, OK, where in this are we showing that we don't actually know what's going on at Rice as well as maybe the two of us do, for instance. Um, but they had a little tidbit in there. I think Elijah has like the most tackles of any most career tackles of like any returning CUSA defensive lineman um that so that wouldn't surprise me he is a super senior that started for I guess he didn't start as a true freshman he was a rotation guy so three years starting yeah but he's been playing for a long time and has is one of those guys who's just like steadily gotten better um and I think that's he kind of reflects what this line group uh, without DeBraylin is like, like there's maybe not as flat as much flash without him, but like all of these guys have played a ton of football. And so, well, and the thing about Elijah that I think is really interesting. I remember the, the, the when DeBraylin Carroll was recruited and he came in, uh, Isaiah Floyd came in with him on the defensive interior before they flipped him over the offensive side of the ball uh, before the 2020 season. But I remember sitting down with the defensive line coach, Coach Calhoun, when those guys were brought in, and he basically told me point blank, he's like, yeah, Elijah's job is up for grabs. Like, I told him, like, look, these two guys, they we, we brought them in. They're studs. They're going to fight you for your job. You have to go win it. And at that point, I think that would have been the fall camp going into the 2019 season. 
Yeah, that would have been correct. Yes. And a a switch flipped because I like Elijah Garcia in 2018. I don't like he was kind of that was the Zach Abercrombie, uh, Roe Wilkins. He was kind of yeah. buried in that mix. He didn't really M- Miles Adams. Man, that was a good unit. But yeah, so Elijah was kind of just in the mix there. I don't, he wasn't really a difference maker like we think about him. Uh, he can be today. But from that conversation on, I, it was like a light switch flipped off, flipped on, flipped on. And then it was it was a different Elijah and it was great. And he just kind of took his game to another level and he's kept it there. And I think that when I when I see how the the play that Elijah has, it kind of if there's a player that kind of embodies like the culture is like much of a buzzword as that is for this defense. Like he kind of just fits that to the T. He just takes the level of everybody and just goes one step above. Yeah. And what's funny is I remember because that was the first season we did the podcast. I remember when Jabraylon and Isaiah were coming in. One of the things I said was like, I really hope that one of those guys is ready to play like right now, because I just don't think this defensive line in 2019, like has a lot of depth on it. Um, And it's funny now, two years later, we've come to a full circle where it's like they lose to Braylon Carroll and it stinks because he's such a great player, but also it's like they've actually got good depth and like a lot of kind of reliable dudes on this defensive front. So, um, yeah, you definitely like bemoan that because you're losing a really disruptive guy uh, right at a time when you're trying to replace a lot of the disruption period on your defensive front because you've lost uh plays Aldridge. But um, there's much more depth here than there has been in years past. So, yeah, uh, I think it's, it's interesting with that depth because so I mentioned Akina. He has played. He he might be the like the Trayshawn Chamberlain of the defensive line. He's played off the edge. He's played at, at the nose um, all throughout the, the line over the past couple years. And I had one guy uh, on staff tell me that if the NFL draft was well, the NFL draft will be held at the end of the season. But he said uh, Akina might be our best pro ready defensive player on this team. And I was like, really? Which I don't know, like I don't know why that caught me off guard, but that was kind of like maybe not who I, who I would have guessed first. I don't no, know. Yeah, it's not it's not but, what I would have gone to immediately for sure. But I said yeah, and then he was just kind of walking me through it. But his his versatility. This is a guy who's like six three, uh, two sixty, and he can move. Like he's not just the guy that you have to put in the middle and just say go go eat blocks. He can he can get off the edge and do a couple things. That's why they've played him everywhere. So the ability to be able to put him in into Braylon's spot, I think, is really interesting. And then I think also the you mentioned the depth. Two guys that I want to highlight. Caleb James is a guy who, when DeBraylon was hurt um, last season, I don't know if he actually missed. I don't think he missed any time with the, the COVID cancellations and whatnot. Uh, but they had to call up somebody from you know, the reserves to fill his reps during practice and they tabbed Caleb James. So Caleb James went from scout team to first team uh, during the season last year and drove, got rave reviews from the entire staff. They were really excited about him. So that's a plus he's been doing well uh, throughout fall camp. And then Cole Latos is a guy that I don't, I don't know if we've ever mentioned his, well, I guess we did a, a recruiting recap, right? 
So we has name his name has been mentioned on the pod, but Cole Latos is a guy who I think is going to factor into the rotation uh, this year. Uh, number ninety nine looks intimidating. He's a you know six mm-hmm. five, probably two seventy at this point, and uh, and can move people. He is a big, big bruising dude. A lot more of the the Punisher kind of type that you think more so. I think uh, Akina has some strength to him, but he's a kind of a technician too. I think Cole is just going to push you in straight into the the uh, through the opposing line, which I like. So those are kind of the guys in the interior. If we, I do want to mention a couple guys. I mentioned Miles Adams earlier. Uh, that was Big Miles. Uh, I don't know what to call. It used to be Little's Miles, but we had Miles Adams M Y L E S who is currently in, I guess, training camp with the Seattle Seahawks right now. And then we had Miles, Little Miles, M-I-L-E-S, and he was kind of coming up. He's actually been somebody that kind of stuck out in the spring uh, on the defensive end behind Trey Schumann because they they let Schumann take a lot of the spring off and kind of spelled him as a, a guy that, you know, has had some injury history. You want to bubble wrap and keep healthy. So we saw a lot of miles Adams and I really, really liked what I saw. He kind of seems to have, have, it did just, there's something where like you, you get to that next level of your understanding. Not only can you, you be where you're supposed to be, but you can anticipate. And I think he's getting there, which is super interesting. And then, uh, keeper on page will always have a soft spark soft spot in my heart Mm -hmm. he's just he's going to be on on a lot of kick coverage i don't know how much play he'll get into the rotation if if schumann is healthy but he's just a home wrecker and he's fun uh did i miss anybody i'm sure i did i'll I'll throw out two guys off the edge uh because uh kenneth orgy uh, a couple injury issues over the past couple years he actually played the entire was it the 2018 season with the cast on his hand or 2019. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Right, yeah. Which dude is tough. So, But behind him, Josh Piercy's been getting the second team reps. Uh, he's a guy that, that they really, really like and has been having a fall camp. And then uh, Adrian Bickham and Jalen Reeves, two guys that as this defense kind of looks at, I think getting to the quarterback is going to be, will is and will continue to be a big question mark for this defense. Those are guys that I think you could see mix in and kind of like a third day, third down situational spot. So I just listed through like we no derailing Carroll, but we got seven, eight, nine. How many guys did I listen list out that are going to play this year? Yeah, and and uh, like I've said before on this podcast, like the defensive line is one of the most important, if not the most important place on a team to have depth. Uh, like if you could hold injury, if you could turn injuries off, like in Madden or NCAA football. Um, <laughs> The the defensive line is the place where depth would be most important because those guys are going hard up the middle and after the quarterback the entire game and they're big dudes and they get winded even if they're in the absolute best football condition that they can be in. So the more guys that you have that can play on the defensive line, the better and the fresher you can keep your best guys. So it's a huge, huge thing just to be able to like Give some guys a series off, basically, um, and, Rice and keep does their starters this, as much as possible. Yeah, and Rice does this more, more so. I've, I've watched a lot of college football, and they their rotation on the defensive line is rigorous. Like, and they it's not like they haven't had 
like dudes. We just listed through several guys that have, have played a lot of football for this team. But I think that that's made a difference to where you get to. And I think you like you saw this in the Marshall game. The what you got what, by the time you got to the third quarter and Rice has a lead, the the defensive line that's when really you could see Grant Wells start to just be overwhelmed by people getting in his face. And it was that rotation of the defensive line. So when that happens, well, it, it works. Yeah. When you're in the, the late third and early fourth quarter and you're getting beat up and you've thrown four or five interceptions and now like your offensive line is starting to wear down and DeBraylon Carroll is like flying up the B gap and pushing your guard aside like that. That's a bad moment for a quarterback. Yeah, now it'll be Okina. We'll just plug and play. <laughs> so if I had to, if I had to ask you, what's kind of your your X factor for for this unit? Like th- this this front four uh, is going to have a successful season. However, we want to decline it, define it. If they do what? Um, get after the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I think it it really has to be. Um, they have to get some more rush from just the front. Um, this scheme is really good. They have a lot of smart guys in it. They can do so many different weird things and play so many different guys in so many different spots in a way that the 90% of FBS teams don't. Um, and they've had a lot of success with that the last uh, two seasons. And But the next step is like, what is common with all of the greatest defenses is they can get pressure on the quarterback without bringing extra. That doesn't mean only rushing the defensive line. There are lots of teams that have a lot of success, you know, rushing three linemen and dropping one into a zone and then and, and bringing a corner. Like you've got these creepers and these sim pressures and all these different exotic things you could do. And you best believe that Brian Smith is going to do a ton of that kind of crazy stuff. But if you can drop seven if you can drop even eight into coverage and still pressure the quarterback, I mean, it's really hard for teams to move the ball on you when you can do that. Yeah, so. and that's and they and we'll get to the secondary at some point. But but I agree with you, and I I would I would even posit that this is this is the make or break for this defense. I I think if they you know are able to get the quarterback at the same rate as years past. Like, I still think they have the potential to be a top five or six defense in Conference USA. Like, from a talent perspective and a scheme scheme understanding, they're still right up there. But if this unit is going to be one that leads Conference USA and is the best and is feared for how good they play defense, it, it, it has to be it has to start with this. If you can't get to the quarterback, Rice was able to and they've been we talk about turnovers being kind of a fluky stat. And, you know, they come and go, but Rice has been bad at forcing turnovers for, for the, since the, the current staff got here, it's just been something they've been at the bottom of the, of the heap and interceptions uh, each of the the past four years now. Uh, And that includes last year when I'm granted, you got to pro write that for five games played versus 12, uh, but they had five interceptions in one game and, and still were lagging behind. Uh, some of their peers in the conference and this is defense that that it, it, it interceptions are as much of a pass rush statistic as they are a defensive back statistic or it, i believe that at least so if this unit can get pressure and, like it doesn't have to be sacks but it has to be 
forcing quarterbacks to make mistakes because I think we're both of the opinion that the quarterback play in Conference USA this year is unproven at best. And if you take unproven quarterbacks and you give them pass rush and trouble, uh, you get turnovers and mistakes. And that's how you take a defense from getting teams off the field to winning football games. And if we're not sure what the offense is going to be, then this defense can win football games if they can get to the quarterback. Yeah, no, I think you put it exactly, exactly correct. Like, um, they've gotten great play over the last two years, but there is always going to be a ceiling on a defense that isn't creating havoc plays, that isn't getting sacks, that isn't getting pressures, that isn't getting turnovers. And like you said, it turnovers themselves are pretty fluky. Like, when a ball bounces on the ground, it's a weird shape. Um, it does weird things. It Science. Who, pick, who picks it up uh, is is largely a matter of luck sometimes. Uh, when a ball gets batted into the air uh, because a cornerback knocks it out of the receiver's hands, who comes down with it is largely luck. But creating those opportunities... Um, getting tackles for loss and sacks, which are more likely to result in fumbles, um, actually defending passes and breaking up passes, which can result in interceptions or being in position to do that and getting the interception yourself. Creating opportunities for turnovers is less fluky. So the more you can create those havoc plays, the more turnovers you can get. You're right. You can go from a team, a defense that keeps you in every game to a defense that is actively winning games for you. And that, I think, if this team is going to take the next step, that the defense has to be able to do that, and it starts up front. Yeah, and this is, I want to, you mentioned Havoc, right? And we'll close out the defensive line conversation with this. I went ahead, and if you go go search Havoc, right, and the Roost, uh, you'll find an article I put out uh, earlier this during the offseason. I kind of unpacked the last three seasons, every Conference USA team, and Havoc, right, and how that kind of fit. And if you take the 2018, the 2019, and the 2020 Rice football teams and you stack them up against all 41, because Old Dominion didn't play last year, but all 41 defensive performances, those three units would rank 22nd out of those 41, 33, and 35th. So Rice hasn't had a havoc rate performance in the the top half of conference, not a single one in the top half of Conference USA defenses in the past three years. Which is wild considering how good their defensive results have been in conference over that time period. Yeah, so, and the twenty the twenty twenty defense w- was was not even the best one. It was thirty third out of forty one. Uh, this is a team that's averaged tenth in conference over the last three years in havoc rate, and it it doesn't add up. <laughs> like it just it doesn't. Like it's it's absolutely crazy that their results have been so good despite that. But like that's how you do it. Like, that's how you go from fifth in the conference to first in the conference in defense. So um, it may not it's it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. It's definitely not an easy thing to do, but it's not a. um, Not a complicated thing to figure out what the next step is. No, and I, I had a conversation this week with Naeem Smith and he, you know, this is the every every offseason, you know, we're going to be more aggressive. XYZ. Um, but I, I talked to him and he, he said, like, no, here are the drills we're, we're doing. Here's how we're attacking 
things. Here's what we're doing to force fumbles. And here's our strategy when we see a ball carrier in the open field. And kind of walk me through X, Y, Z. Here's what we're doing. And I'm like, that's great. So, like, it's better than, like, yeah, yeah we're just going to be more aggressive. He can actually, like, spell out exactly what they're doing to make sure when they see that situation, they can do something about it. But we'll see. <laughs> having, a, having a good pass rush makes all of those situations easier to come by. Yeah. Um, and that, speaking of havoc, that leads to the linebackers, where Rice has lost um, its, well, Chief I guess now. Havoc maker. Yeah, exactly. In Blaze Aldridge, who obviously in a shortened season couldn't quite replicate his absolutely absurd stats from 2019, but was obviously still a huge, huge piece uh, for the Rice defense last year. And we wish him all the best in Columbia. But um, there's a big hole to fill at linebacker. And obviously Antonio Montero is there and has played a lot of football. And it's a guy they can trust to kind of be that captain and make those calls. Um, but you need some, uh, like, it's, it's great to have a Mike who can do that for you, but you need somebody at that will linebacker spot who can be the kind of like an ideal will linebacker is like a heat sicking missile. Like while the mic is there, that's just like, you know, he's making the calls, he's reading the play. He's like, um, blowing up the pulling guard. He's getting everybody right in the right position. Um, a great will linebacker is seek and destroy like point him at the ball carrier and he blows things up. So we'll see. There yeah. are a few candidates. <laughs> yeah. So with the, we have who is left Antonio Montero, who, you know, you know, also dabbles as a, a extra point specialist. Should we need, <laughs> um, that's going to be my, my favorite stat. Um, one for one career extra points for Antonio Montero against Texas, who, you know, we'll see again this year. So there you go. So yeah, Antonio Montero, he's a guy that his, you know, he's talked about this, this, this fall about wanting to become a a more vocal leader for this defense. And I hear and see whenever the defense makes a, a big play or has during fall camp, he's the guy that I hear and see yelling and cheering and running across the field to congratulate somebody. So and he's kind of risen up in that respect. And so I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to be seeing a lot. And, you know, you probably we probably would have noticed him in past years if Blaze wasn't Blaze. But and Antonio is, I think, going to take a step forward this year uh, at Mike. And I think it's interesting. You were saying heat heat seeking missile missile for Will Linebacker. I think that's Desmond Baker. I think that's what he is. So he was the he, uh, another Juco guy brought in by this staff. Uh, got in for spring, which which Blaze didn't have the the you know the good fortune to do when he got here. He kind of had to learn on the go. But the thing with Desmond so far has, and we've heard this had this story play out with a lot of transfers, is kind of working to understand the complexity of this defensive scheme and the playbook. He kind of he talked to me uh, last week and he said, "Yeah, just understanding the depth of that playbook and and where where you're supposed to be." He's still getting transitioning from the point of having to think on the field and not think. And I think that's something that made Blaze so great is the ball would be snapped and he would be in the backfield or he would be, you know, on top of the the guy who's supposed to cover in the slot or it just it was instantaneous. And I think that is kind of what uh, Baker is is working to to get to. Uh, and I don't know if he's there yet, but in his place or kind of vying for that role because it's still very much, I think, an open competition 
is Myron Morrison. And he is a guy that's been uh, consistent and solid uh, and really, you know, he's been a, a special teams guy and a friends guy that I thought could have seen more action in the past couple years. But when you have Blaze and, and Antonio in front of you and you play two linebackers, there's only so many snaps left. So it's good. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a battle between those two guys uh, for the starting will job. And I I feel I when when Blaze left, we both said, you know, we have 10 defensive starters coming back like it stinks, but it'll be OK. They can overcome that. And I and I think I've kind of taken a step, maybe edged up a little bit forward from, OK, that one weak spot. The 10 other guys can carry it to. I really think this could be a spot that is just good. Like, I, th- I think whoever wins it, however, that rotation works out. Uh, between Myron and Desmond, I think I'm not very concerned that this is going to be a a, a weakness. I don't like it. Might not be the team's greatest strength, but uh, if Desmond can come along and be, like he can move and he can hit, oh man, uh, we could have something something special. I think. Yeah, and that's like uh, your point about him learning the defense, like and and being able to recognize things and not think. Like, that's what really makes great linebackers. Like, it, athleticism is obviously important, but linebackers are in a position, particularly in today's game, where they are so often put into conflict. And literally half of what offenses do these days, especially kind of simpler offenses that are just trying to run and let their quarterback process and get the ball out as quickly as possible, like, so much of... 2021 football is just like put the linebacker in conflict when he goes one way, throw the ball, the other, like put the ball in, in whatever he chose not to do. Um, so, so much of playing linebacker is recognition and reading keys and being able to see tendencies and figure out where the ball is going to be before it ever gets there. So you don't have to be the kind of linebacker that runs a four four to be able to be great because over the distances that linebackers are running the distance between a four seven guy and a four four guy not that there are that many linebackers that run four four but like the difference in a quote-unquote slow linebacker and a slow and a fast linebacker over the course of the like 10 yards they're running to try to make a play in a backfield is not that big and you can make up that difference in more and more if you are a half a second faster to recognize where the play is going. So you don't got to be fast. But if you are fast and you know where the ball is going to be, um, instead of a one-yard gain or you know where he's going to be but the running back slips by you, now it's a tackle for loss. Now it's a sack. Now it's a forced fumble. Now you've blown up an option pitch. So when you combine like real, uh, you know, it, athleticism and hitting ability and all the physical things that come with being a great linebacker, and you have that recognition of knowing where the ball is going to be before it ever gets there, that's when you get those guys that you're just like, holy crap, that guy is everywhere. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if we get that, but I think we're going to get close enough uh, for this to be a uh something a a position i don't i don't think like i think when we get to maybe the the nationally televised games against well i guess it's the longhorn network national 
Eh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but the games against Texas and, and Arkansas, when people are reading off their fun factoids, of, yeah, this defense is replacing Blaze Aldridge, who went on to play in the SEC. Like, we're going to hear that. Oh, but so I think, much, yes. Yeah, I think once we get past that, uh, it's going to become an afterthought because I think the talent is there. And um, in a side, I went ahead and I just I put kind of a, a a name to watch kind of beyond the is in some cases the two deep uh, on the on the I did a positional preview on every for every position in the season preview. And I went ahead and tabbed a, a deep guy on the roster who's probably not in the top two that you should keep an, an eye on. I'm kind of looking through this roster right now. That's a, one of my favorite parts, especially to see some of them. I, I put Caleb James on the defensive line for a guy. And this is what I wrote this in, what, June that it came out before DeBrantlin was hurt. So, But I wanted to plug that while I was thinking about it because I was going through the list of names at linebacker. And this is a position group that everyone gets rave reviews at camp. But what I kind of look for is kind of a, a pulse if you will, like me hearing one coach say so-and-so is having the best camp of his life, like that's fine. But then another coach comes up and tells me. And then one of his teammates that plays a different position says, man, this guy is so hard to block. Or and then, But once you get three, four, five guys and everybody's saying this guy's being really good, that's when I kind of start. That's how, you, how I filter out some of the noise. And the freshman linebacking group has, I, I feel like every guy has gotten a shout out like, We've talked about DJ Arkansas picking Rice over Arkansas and going back to Arkansas this year. That's going to be fun. Uh, but uh, Kenny Seymour is a guy who has just been lights out. Uh, another one, Aiden Ciano, has been just picking up steam. I, the depth is here. I don't know if I, we probably won't see him more than special teams, at least out of the gate. But uh, I'm not going to be surprised if those are the names we're talking about in, in 2022. I'm just saying. But yeah. uh, those it, I, we could go through the whole list, but we won't. Uh, X factor here um, for the linebacker unit. I, I think it's for me. It's is what is quantifying, or rather, the X factor for me here. I'll start is just eliminating a drop off from Blaze. However, that happens. Yeah, it's not letting this unit go from like making it still be a strength. Like, it doesn't have to be what Blaze Aldridge was. Like, that's fine. Like, you don't need to to try to replicate that. But as long as it's at the level that it needs to be, and I think by what we're hearing, we can say that it's, it's, it's probably going to be at that level, so that makes you feel really good. But you can't have it, you know, one half of this linebacking group suddenly become a weakness rather than like an overwhelming strength. And I don't think it's going to be that. So. Yeah. yeah. Especially when like with, with having Treshawn Chamberlain there to handle a lot of the in between linebacker safety corner duties. Right. You're not going to have to have any of these guys do, you know, single coverage too much or, or get too far out of their comfort zone. So I think, I think this is a point where the, the defensive scheme can kind of help assist with, uh, any shortcomings that might exist in the interim. Which I guess if, if that, whatever we want to call Treshawn, do we want to go safeties next or uh, go to corners? Who's next vertically? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it depends. Yeah. Not so much <laughs> vertically, but I guess safeties is sort of a natural transition because, um, 
Krishan does fill this, uh, or yeah, he does fill this sort of um, in between role, this viper position that's like part outside linebacker, part slot corner, and like part deep safety. Because like half the time when they're in single high, like he's the deep safety. Yeah, so, I had a I had a moment during. I don't, I don't think it was one of the scrimmages. I think it was just one of the the regular practices where I just kind of watched him for a full series. And yeah, you're right. When they were in deep, had a single high safety, he's up there and, and nobody else was within 15 yards of him. And, and then the next play, he's rushing the quarterback off the edge. And I was like, this is just fun. Like he's he is, you know, we talk about Jordan Myers being the Swiss Army knife of the Rice offense. I think he's the Swiss Army knife of the defense. And might be as as important of a player as Myers is on the offense. So I yeah, guess if you're if you're ever like bored watching a Rice football game, hopefully you will not be. But like if you ever just want to like distract yourself, just like every defensive snap play like wears 17. Yeah, follow because, the dreads. Yeah, because he's going to be in a different place uh, just about snap to snap. Yeah, so he's he's a guy that we talked about rotations on the defensive line. Uh, Treshawn Chamberlain and I got out of the football game. Like, maybe occasionally for a breather. They actually really like Chike, who's came in, and he's a, he's a core special teams guy now at this point. But, yeah, if, if Treshawn's healthy and, and going strong, he's going to be in the game. And then the other two starters, ooh, this is fun. I get to say starting safeties, George Nyqual and Naeem Smith for the first time in... Both a, of them. Both a year and a half, two years. Yeah, and let me tell you, George has he's made so many plays in camp to the point where I have other players just like usually when there's a big play, everybody the immediate reaction from the defense is like, yeah, look at our guy. But I've had I've seen other guys just on the sideline just drop their jaws and go like, huh? How did he? <laughs> we talk about guys who can quick diagnose. Yeah, he's he's made a couple interceptions that have been pretty impressive, uh, but he's also, you know, meet, met running backs, met Kalen. I think I'm pretty sure it's Kalen Griffin. Now I'm second guessing myself, met a running back in the backfield for a tackle for a loss after starting back, what you know, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage <laughs> like uh, you talk about quick diagnosing and reacting. He we took it. He was hurt for the entire 2020 season, so we didn't really see him. We didn't see him at all except standing next to practice. But uh, this is an all-conference caliber guy that people have kind of forgotten about. And now he's back. And you pair him with Naeem Smith, who obviously had the pick six against Marshall. I think you're talking about... uh, I'd have to think about it, but this is a top three or four unit of safeties in the conference. Easy. Yeah, George is one of those guys that, like, like, he's basically been a steady starter, steady presence on this defense, aside from uh, the 2020 season, like, since this staff has been here. And the word steady can sometimes be a backhanded compliment for a guy like that, um, because it tends to imply that they, like, don't make a lot of great plays. Um, but having a guy who can, like, play that deep safety role, who always knows what's going on, always is where he needs to be, always is in position to make the play, is such an important thing for the back end of a defense because it makes um, 
it just makes everyone's jobs easier and it makes things that much harder on the quarterback. Like, especially this defense that is going to ask the corners to go play a one on one. If if you have a defense like that that is putting people on islands, this is the only safety blanket you have, more than likely. Yeah, and like you think about, uh, I don't know, like the Legion of Boom that like those like great Seahawks defenses. I probably uh, like said this on the podcast before because I never remember anything that I say. But like, um, <laughs> what made that? Secondary, great. What really made it go, everyone thinks like, oh, Richard Sherman, like, you know, playing such great corner position um, or like oh, Cam Chancellor, like coming up with the big hits. Earl Thomas made that defense because they played country cover three. They played spot drop cover three, four, three under front, literally the most basic NFL defense that you can play. And they did it at the highest possible level because they had a free safety playing the deep middle who just covered everywhere and was like the entire, like that old cliche joke about like 75% of the earth is covered by water. The rest is covered by blank. Um, Earl Thomas is at his peak was the guy who most <laughs> was deserved that, uh, that cliche. Um, and I'm not saying George is Earl Thomas, peak Earl Thomas, but um, he is that sort of a player, that free safety who can just cover ground and just like erase portions of the field for a quarterback because he knows if he goes somewhere near that safety, uh, the pass is going to get broken up or intercepted. So it's so huge to have a guy like that back. And I'm not just saying that because George is in Jones, although he is Jiba, but uh, it's it's massive to like get a guy get a guy like that back after missing him for a whole season. Yeah, just I mean I, I mentioned Grant Wells earlier in the podcast, and yeah, he's I, I don't probably one of the top two or three quarterbacks returning in the conference. You know, we'll have to see how the transfers go on, and I think we have doubts after seeing him get skewered by this defense. But this is a defense that did not have uh, George Nyakwell playing in that game so if you have a defense that can do that to that quarterback I think you're going to be okay and that's especially interesting because some of the guys who did play in this game and this is crazy uh, Gabe Taylor is is coming back and Kirk Lockhart also coming back uh, both backups and I if you told me well we saw this actually <laughs> we did see this last year if you told me that you know, those two guys, Gabe and, and Kirk, were going to be your starting safeties this year. You know, last year, I think our concern with them was like, man, they're so young. We just don't know. But we saw them last year. And I think, you know, we saw, you know, a couple rookie get rookie jitters, rookie, I guess, freshman jitters uh, from from Gabe. But I mean, that was trying to cover Jalen Darden, who's playing in the NFL right now. So like, I, I can give that a pass. But I feel really good about those guys. If those were the guys who are going to be out there on every play and they are the guys who are going to be the next level up. And I think, I think that's fantastic. And I already mentioned Chike at the Viper. Um, I think that's, that's probably the guys. I think Marcus Williams is a guy, uh, a freshman coming from Alabama that they, they really like and kind of a reserve role. He's kind of been as advertised so far, but I, I don't think, you know, knock on wood, you know, pending injuries. I think you're going to see a pretty tight uh, rotation of who comes in here. 
Uh, and that's I didn't even mention we got Isaiah Richardson and Prudy Calderon, two guys that have played a good amount of snaps as your, you know, break the glass, everything goes wrong, who's left. You're that's your third, fourth string guys. And that's pretty good for a third, fourth string. Yeah, it's wild that Prudy, who uh had like the most interceptions in the conference as a true freshman, ages I ago. Think he's still one of the uh, career uh, pass breakup leaders in Conference USA that's active. Which yeah. is wild because he's been a part-time player for essentially the past two years. Uh, which just says a ton about how good this, the depth is at this position. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot more to say here. Like, I'll, many of these guys, even the backups, are so proven. And you know what you're going to get out of them. And it's not even, um, like... The defensive line, a lot of those guys are really steady and like we've seen good play from them. But for like this defense to be where it needs to be, they need to step up or some guys need to step up and like provide that additional pass rush. Um, But the safeties, like we know what we've gotten from these guys. And if they get to a new level, that's fantastic. But like what we've seen from them in the past is enough for this defense to be really, really great. And so it's very kind of comforting to know that you have guys who don't have to like, you don't have to get to engage with hypotheticals with them. It's like, oh, well, if this guy can just get a little bit better at this, and you don't know if he actually can. But with this safety group, I, I, I don't have those concerns. We just, you just want them to like be who they are, who you know they have been, and the safety play will be more than sufficient for them to be great yeah and i think the if you were going great i think the x factor there i think because of those guys that we mentioned at free and strong save you you can mix and match put them in any combination i i'm kind of i'm gonna feel fine about it i think the x factor there is is treshawn chamberlain and his play i think you know blaze has been the guy in this defense for the past two years that is kind of the the designated what we call him the designated havoc maker and i i don't know if anybody at the the true linebacker positions really, you know, fits that, uh, you know, set of skills that that Blaze had, I think the closest guy we have on the team is Trayshawn Chamberlain, who can do those things. And obviously, it's a, he's going to be coming in and doing a, a couple different things. Going to be used a lot more in coverage than Blaze ever was. But I think if Trayshawn Chamberlain can have that all conference type season which I, I'm pretty sure he's coming up. He was like third and fourth team, like fringe and some of those, you know, all conference lists. So I don't think it's too far of a stretch to have a guy who's already making some of those fringe lists to, to be an all conference guy. But if this is an all conference player, at whatever position you would have put him at, at the end of the year, I think that's something that, you know, we talk about making a good defense. Great. I think his play, not to put it all on one guy, but, but, but who he can become, if he can reach that level, we talk about hypotheticals, right? If he can do it, he can get pressure off the edge. He can make some big plays in coverage. I know he's capable of those things, but if he does that, I think that's what takes this defense. Um, it can make it make that jump. He's my X factor. Yeah, totally agree. He is definitely the person on this defense from whom we've seen the, the like closest to that level of being a true like disruptive force. Well, he had he had the North Texas hit. Yeah. Yeah. In the what this is the end zone. It was in the Mm -hmm. rice end zone in 2019 on fourth down. Just absolutely decleated a guy to where the stadium goes silent and the ball falls to the turf. 
hands. Then they throw him on, throw one up to Rosner to go win the game. But that was fun. Yeah, you talk about a guy who can change games. That's Trayshawn Chamberlain. All right, and last up, we have the corners. So corners is is interesting because I. I feel like I've been pretty certain about, you know, the the front seven for sure and the safeties. I, I don't really know how corner is going to play out this year. So uh, right now, uh, Miles McCord and, and Jason White uh, haven't been they didn't participate in the last scrimmage. Uh, from what I've been told, they're all clear. Nothing that has anybody scared that they're going to miss the Arkansas game. They're doing a lot of I, I the staff's been doing a lot of the the basketball style load management this this fall camp hmm. you know they haven't phrased yeah. it to that but after last year with all the injuries they are being like i think i think i actually saw brad rosner appear in a bubble when he came out to practice last <laughs> week just because that's one of the point like like miles mccord we we don't i don't think we need to see anything more from miles mccord we we know what he is he was the guy yeah, that like no. was a fringe player and like no you're you're really really good so we haven't really seen miles mccord uh jason white i I, I kind of feel pretty good about him. He's been a guy that the staff is, is trusted and has always been a guy who punches above his size. I th- he's listed here at 5'8". He might be 5'8", but uh, he can cover. So it's been a lot of... We've seen a lot more of the depth this fall at the corner spots than we have elsewhere. And something I think is interesting, uh, the second corner behind Miles McCord is Jordan Dunbar. And he's listed on the depth chart, which, you know, a fall camp depth chart you can do with whatever you want. But he's listed above Trayshawn Devones, which I think is really, really interesting because usually when you are putting out a depth chart, you naturally put the guys who have been starters at the top, even if you don't think they're going to finish there. So uh, Dunbar being listed above Devones, I I talked to an assistant and he said basically like, look, like uh, Devones is coming off an injury last year. And so there's there's a little bit of load management there. But. And, you know, if you don't need to get him all the reps with the first team so far, then then you don't need to. But Jordan Dunbar's been he's looked good. He's he's the biggest. I think he's one one ninety four is what he's listed at here. One of the, the biggest body, you know, guy corners on the team, a guy that you can put up against anybody on the outside and he can run with them, too. So he's a guy I'm really curious about. And then on the other side. I think Sean Fresh should be a starter. Uh, he's I listed on as second string right now to, to Jason White, but he actually was a, a starter last year before he got injured and, and essentially missed the season after the Southern Miss game. Uh, but this is a guy who's lightning fast and can make plays. And I want both of those things on my defense. We talk about guys who uh, so far through the front seven, the safeties have been like Mr. Consistent. Uh, I think Sean Fress is, is the the TNT that you throw in there and say, "Hey, go make a play." <laughs> like, and yeah. you know, when you have ten guys that are that are steady Eddie, throwing a little bit of you know special sauce in there, I think can be the good thing that this defense needs. So he he's he's great in coverage too. But uh, yeah, I think he's he's a guy that we need to watch for this year. Well, and you know, this is another position where um, things are maybe more unsettled than at safety, but like. You've got a guy in Andrew Bird who um, started a lot earlier in his career and generally played pretty well when he did. And now he's buried at what, like. Yeah, he's third. It's Jason, Jason White, Sean Fresh and Andrew Bird. Yeah. Right now. Um, So. 
the depth here is less proven than it is at safety for sure. But like when you've got guys that have played that much football and been at the very minimum competent at it when they did, and now they're third on the depth chart at one side of the position, um, that makes you feel a whole lot better about where you are in terms of like having guys who can play and play at the level that you need them to. Yeah, no, I, and I, and I always go back to, uh, I had a, a conversation with uh, coach Wilcher who coaches the the cornerbacks and I think it was midway through the, the 20, well, it's all right together, the 2018 season. Uh, and this was right after they played, played Houston and Marquez Stevenson just ran circles around them. But in that game, Rice also had, they entered with a couple corners out and they had a couple guys go down during the game. It was basically, um, who was it? It was a uh, Brandon Douglas Doxson and, uh, oh man, who was it? I, I see his face right now. This is not good podcasting, but it was a, <laughs> a converted running back who was a scout team corner. I'll think of it at some point. Oh. But had, had gone in, and he was the he was playing the other corner's position. And this is the the third quarter against Houston, and uh, this was conv- conveyed to me. Bloomgren turns, uh, you know, to the defense, and he says, "Hey, who's next?" And, <laughs> and he says, "Nobody." <laughs> and he was dead serious. They were they were out of. They were out of guys, and that was, you know, not that long ago. And now we can get to the fourth or fifth string guy, and we feel pretty good about it. So, you know, that kind of underscores how we feel uh, about this entire defense, I think, which is which is probably a good thing. But, but yeah, much better off. I think if Andrew Bird and Treshawn Devones are, are in at corner, I'm, you know, unless it's, Maybe against Bailey Zappi, I'm getting nervous, but, <laughs> but I think over, overall, I feel pretty good about it. So that's pretty good. And then another guy who I don't think is probably going to be a factor this year, but who has caught my eye during fall camp, Lamont Narcisse, has been interesting. He was actually listed as when when 247 was initially ranking that class, he was listed as the highest rated signee that Rice had ever had on the early I, he was a, he was a guy who signed on the early signing period i believe so in december he was listed as the highest highest ranked signees that rice had ever had and then they went ahead and they changed that <laughs> shortly after he signed they dropped him and they went up raising gabe taylor up so gabe taylor became that guy which is great but um, yeah so he's a guy that i think has all the talent all, maybe not all the talent of the world. That's a cliche, but I think he he is is quick and Rice beat out a couple Power Five programs for him. So I think he's a guy that has has a lot of potential there. All right, uh, so Still trying to right. find this guy, Colin Whitaker. <laughs> that's the answer. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Um, so there you go. It was Colin. Colin. We were down to Colin Whitaker. <laughs> Uh, so an X factor at corner, um, honestly, I'm just going to say health, like as great as finding miles McCord was last year. Let's like, not do it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I really don't want to have to be playing the fifth string. Like, even if I feel great about Andrew bird and I do, 
I don't want to have to play a fifth string corner this season. Like, let's please or keep... have or have Chris Boudreaux go in in an offensive lineman jersey against North Texas. Yeah, yeah. Do you or remember that, that? The, the baggy jersey fitted for a three hundred pound guy, and he went in. They yeah. threw and he knocked it down. That I think he had one snap in that game, and it was a target at him, and he he broke up. All, the pass. all you can ask from a guy in that position, honestly. Yeah, let's not do that again. I think that's fair. I think health is is a good one, and and I think uh, I'm interested to see how how locked down can we be? Because I feel like we went through and we saw Miles McCord last year, and there were a couple balls we we went we've been blow by blow on the UAB game. There were a couple balls that just like he did everything right and just didn't didn't go his way. Like sometimes that happens. Uh, I think he's great. If if Sean Fresh can be great too then I think you're looking at, I'm not going to go legion of boom on you, but I think you're looking at a defense that doesn't have a weakness on, on the edge and can, can be differential on the edge. So if, if the corners can, there's all these ifs, but I think these are two places where the past last year and the year before the corners are focused with the corners was, please don't let the ball go over your head. And I think last year clearly indicated that we're not there anymore because rice got down again to the fifth to Chris Boudreaux at corner and the ball wasn't going over their heads. So I think we're there. I think the, the X factor here is, is, is along the lines with what we've talked about. Maybe uh, on the, at least at the safety position is can they, can they be difference makers uh, and, and really funnel people and scare people from passing against this defense and make them test the front seven. <laughs> like if we can yeah. get there, it's game over because this front seven is going to be scary. <laughs> Like I said, uh, like it's uh, the best thing for a defense is to be able to rush four and still get pressure. But it's also pretty great if you can just uh, cover everybody man to man and bring everybody else. And there is uh, nowhere for the quarterback to go, despite the fact that you've uh, played you're you're matching, a, a, putting a hat on a hat. Uh, yes, yeah, either way works. We're not yeah. picky. Give us one. Uh so if you can do both of those things, then uh, then you're really cooking with gas. So uh, give us one and uh, it'll be great. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I knew I didn't know which one we were going to start with offense or defense, but I think we both feel we'll see. We'll get see next week how what we get through in the offense. But we both felt great about the defense coming in. So, yeah, definitely. This was a good one. OK, so are we ready to play a game? Let's do it. All right, we did this last year, and I thought it was fun, and it made for interesting content. I tried to set the lines as, as close as I could, so we're going to play. Uh, I, I We don't have a name yet. I'll think <laughs> of it. We'll get there. We're going to play What's More Likely to Happen. All right, and, and it's very easy. I'm going to give you two scenarios, and you just have to tell me which one's more likely to happen. All right, and we're, we're going with a defensive flavor this week, <laughs> so just to keep with our theme. So what's more likely to happen this year? Rice scores a defensive touchdown or they don't. Ooh. Um, defensive t- touchdowns are obviously fluky. Which um, I think hope- they've only had one in the past three years. It was Naeem's. Am I, am I forgetting Man. one? Wow. See, that almost seems that 
seems very unlucky almost like how many teams don't have have don't have more than like one pick six over a three-year period so i'm gonna say with the increased emphasis on havoc plays and uh you know that being a goal and guys stepping up and just plain regression to the mean uh that rice is going to score a defensive touchdown this year yeah i feel pretty good about that too i mean even if it's just beating up on utep or texas southern like they're going to face some bad quarterbacks, man. It's I, I lean that way, too. So we'll see. All right. Uh, a softball for the first one. Second one. What's more likely Desmond Baker leads the team in tackles or a Kanana Chikuwu leads the team in sacks? Ooh. Um, I'm going to guess that it I'm going to say Baker. Um. Because obviously this is contingent on him winning the job at Will Linebacker. But given what his skill set is, if he is the starting Will Linebacker, then that means he has mastered the scheme and gotten his assignments and gotten his processing to a level where he's recognizing and diagnosing and reacting to play. And and not just reacting to plays, but getting there early. Um, And if he's doing that, then... A linebacker like that is a very easy candidate to leave the team in tackles. Whereas, like, Akena is, especially with DeBraylin out, is going to be playing mostly on the interior this year. Um, and it's pretty rare, even for, like, a, and he's going to play kind of that, like, penetrating three-technique tackle role a lot, probably, like DeBraylin generally did. Um It's tough for a guy in that role, even a very, very disruptive one, to lead a team in sacks. It it was hard to pick a guy. If I'd given you anybody on the front four, would would that have changed your answer? Um, I thought about going Kenneth Horsby. He was probably the next, probably the next best bet. Yeah, I might have like if it had been Kenneth Orgy, I might have done it just because it's a little more. Likely just in general, I would say, for an edge guy to lead the team in sacks. Um, but I think on this one, I'm most I I'd like. What's more likely Baker leads the team in tackles or like X player here leads the team in sacks? Like, I don't know that there's an easy bet to lead the team in sacks. So I would probably go with Baker just in general. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, going on the the younger side of the ball, what's more likely to happen? A true freshman starts in the secondary at any point this year, or a true freshman starts in the front seven? Ooh. Granted, we're in 2021, and true freshmen aren't supposed to be starting. <laughs> yeah. That was in air quotes for, for everyone listening. Um. That is difficult because um, I don't think it's particularly likely in either scenario. Um, I'm trying to think who even the candidates are. Like, who's a true freshman, like, class of 2021 on defense who's, like, in the two deep? So the answer is none. 
So that makes it that there makes we go. it tricky. Yeah, okay. but nobody in the too deep. But if I'm going to, I'm gonna tell you what I would do, and he would be my candidates for it. We hit on a couple of these guys when I was going through. I think I would pick the front seven, just because I think we, we you were three deep, legitimately three deep at least at every sec ever every spot in the secondary. Yeah, because like even I was, going, I was leaning front seven, but I was like. <clears throat> Who is the guy? So the guy, the guy is Blake Banish because. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. He's he's my I, I think you could. I think the other alternative is going with Aiden Siano or DJ Arkansas at linebacker. And I'm thinking that this is this is clearly end of the season, as we've seen at Rice. You know, once you get through October into November, some of those guys keep climbing the depth chart and earn their spot or somebody gets hurt or both things happen. Uh, but Blake Banish would be my pick up front because I, we know what Elijah Garcia is, and he's he's not coming off the field. Um, and and we really like Akina, and I don't think Akina's coming off either. But I think Akina can do so many things for this defense that if you tell me we're in we're we're through October and the staff has said we're putting Akina at defensive end because he's our best defensive end, and we're going to play somebody else at tackle. I that scenario yeah. doesn't sound crazy to me. And at that point. Who's your best tackle that's not a Kenna? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I really don't know. So, like, I'm just saying if Blake Banish ends up there, not going to be surprised. So he'd be my pick. I, I would put the likelihood of that happening very, very low. But he'd be my yeah. guy. But it's still higher than any true freshman in the secondary. I, I don't even... I have no idea who would start in the secondary. At, at all, I'm I'm looking through the list right now, and no, I I can't even give yeah, you a name. No, <laughs> so I thought that one was a was a good a good tricky one. All right, um, what's more likely to happen? Uh, Rice pitches a shutout on defense this year, or they have another five turnover game. Ooh, like they did against Marshall. Jeez. So the shutout against Marshall was their first shutout since uh, it had been oh. like 20 years, right? It was yeah, like it was like 2001 or something. Or, yeah, something like that. Somewhere in there. Uh, I have no idea when their last five turnover game was. I'm going to spitball that that is a once in a 20 year occurrence, too. Maybe not, yeah, but at least probably four. Like, may, may, like there's games where you. You get lucky and you get four, but five is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to say shutout just because, like, they do play Texas Southern, who's an FCS team, and, like, not a particularly good one at that most of the time. Um, and shutouts are, like, a thing that happens in college football. <laughs> so, and, and, but five turnover games from one team are yeah usually I you think, just bench the guy <laughs> yeah i don't have uh like I, I i can't run the numbers for you anything but my guess is that five turnovers from one team is much more of an outlier in general than a shutout um now granted shutouts often require their well, not always obviously we saw rice do it against marshall but like the most Couple. common way for a shutout to occur is when you've got a big talent differential like when you're like you know, I don't know, Georgia playing uh, 
Right. You yeah. got to get across midfield to score usually. And that's hard yeah. to do when you're inferior on either side of the ball. <laughs> yeah. So Rice at least has a game, again, against an FCS team where they are going to have a big talent differential. Um, we know this is a defense that can really just like, even if they're not creating havoc plays, um, then they, but they can really suffocate stop. you. Yeah, they can stop people from scoring. So, um, given both the stock, obviously we hope the havoc production increases from this defense, but like, given that we have seen this team in the, this defense in the past, um, kind of brick wall teams without creating a lot of turnovers, um, I think it's probably more likely that that's what happens this year. I, I I don't know, man. We had the the they, that three game run at the end of 2019 where they kind of flipped the switch, and now Rice has won five of their last eight football games. They just they figured something out. What if the Marshall game? What if that was a, a switch flip for the this defense, and they've kind of figured out that X factor? I'm just saying, like, it would not shock me if we get to the UTSA game and Rice has a five turnover game on defense. Like, just Frank Harris implodes and something crazy happens like oh i would i would love to be wrong about this one because if rice is creating a whole bunch of turnovers yeah you'll take five turnovers. very very happy <laughs> i'm not saying that's gonna happen but i'm just saying i it was hard i'm still thinking through it yeah plus All right. you can have great havoc production without getting like you know if you're getting three turnovers three turnovers four two three whatever like that is fantastic production in terms of turnovers and you can get that without actually getting to five in any given game all right and we'll close it out with this one speaking of i got a five in here good transition well played you haven't seen these questions yet i'm i'm throwing it throwing throwing the deep line yeah so what's more likely to happen rice leads the conference in total defense this year or rice finishes fifth in the conference in total defense this year (laughs) <laughs> I picked that line because they finished third in 2020. So what's more Ooh. likely, move up to one or regress to five, which would still be better than average, but probably not elite. Ooh, um, that's a good question. Um, as much as I would love to be super gung ho about this, I can't necessarily bet on Rice being the best defense in the conference when UAB is out there still. Um, so I think it's maybe more likely that Rice uh, like stays at third or... Yeah, maybe but that's even... not an option for this game. It makes it difficult. I, I know. Exactly. <laughs> like, the most likely option here is not one of the options. But if it's overtake UAB or regress ever so slightly, I'd probably say the latter is more likely to happen. Yeah, I thought about making it like fourth. But you know, I I think that's 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 probably right and I think it's interesting because this has been a defense that not been it's not been but no break, but being a them leading in total defense. I I feel like they have a a better bid to lead in scoring defense maybe than total defense. Yeah. Um and that's kind of why I went this direction. But I'd be okay with them leading in both. But either way, a lot of interesting hypotheticals, and and I, for one, hope we get to some of them. I don't want to see a true freshman starting unless yep. it's November no, and they're they're elite. Um, yeah. Which, you know, maybe we get there. Some of these recruiting classes, man, I, 
I'm now noticing freshmen in scrimmages and practices and not because they're playing with the first team because that's all they have, which is great. So I'll take that. But yeah, I think I, th- I guess that's that's an hour plus on defense. Yeah, that was about an hour and 15 minutes on defense, which honestly is pretty efficient for us doing. I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> we were really we were really cooking there. Um. All right, so we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we will be back next week with the offense uh, and the all-important quarterback battle. We've got another scrimmage coming up, so hope, hopefully there is some clarity on the quarterback position by th- by then. But knowing Bloom, I kind of doubt there will be, given that he has um, not generally been one to name a starting quarterback until a quarterback is actually starting. I have sometime. a direct – I have asked him what is the timeline. I have a direct quote. Of what the timeline is uh, for I say, when are you going to pick a quarterback? I have a direct quote. It's in the uh, the post that I published on on Wednesday with the with the. Uh, is that a good plug there? A good plug, yeah. For yeah, the, there we go for the, for the quarterbacks. So if you want from Bloom's word, when are you going to go pick a quarterback? Uh, go read that. And I just think it's I think it's interesting. It's good to hear everybody's perspective. So yeah, we'll get to quarterbacks. Maybe we'll have an answer. Maybe we won't. I know which way I'd pick if we were playing. More likely to happen. uh but yeah we will be back we'll talk the offense next week uh so we will see y'all then and by then we will be like what like a week and a half out from college football we'll be Uh, counting down week zero will be happening so rice will not play in week zero but somebody will so uh the greatest season on earth college football season fast approaches uh we'll be back to keep leaning into it next week so stick with us and rice fight This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.